Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of The Orange Table. I know time is flying, we're already six into this series, um, and Aisha and I could not be more excited for the way you are all engaging. Today is an exciting one. We are breaking down the experiences of Black students within Princeton's dating landscape. There have been a variety of dating match services going around recently, and obviously Tinder and Bumble, as per usual, are popping off this semester. So we wanted to entertain a conversation around the complexities of that world, specifically the ways in which colorism and misogyny pervade them. Get ready to hear our experiences. My name is Omar Farah, content strategist here at The Daily Princetonian, and this is The Orange Table. Enjoy. Let's dive right in to the topic today because we want to explore dating on Princeton's campus in broad terms, but like as all black people sitting here discussing, I wanna get into like the racial dynamics within that. Um, so there have been a lot of like match services, I guess is what I would call them going around in these past few months. Um, so I'd love like if any of you have like personal experiences with those or have heard experiences um, that are noteworthy, we'd love to go around and like share those. And then also opening up to like just Tinder, Bumble, online dating services more broadly. And like, how, what is the environment like for everyone, but also specifically for black people and even more specifically for black women? Perfect. I think just like starting off, I filled out the marriage pact simply because I was curious. I was like, mad as well. This is Camille Reeves, class of 2023. And I've got to tell you when she speaks, listen. Why not? Um, and like my person was like fine like I did friends so I matched with this girl and I was like oh she seems fine and like we followed each other on Instagram and nothing happened I was like yep oh well Instagram follower but I have ha I had so the night I found out I was at dinner with some friends in town like at their house and they it was like mostly it was me another black girl in my class and then two black girl seniors and we all found out at the same time and the other girl in my class didn't fill it out but the other two seniors did and one of them was like in shambles over her match because it was like a notorious like racist. <laughs> she was like, why? Um, and I was like, oh, they did no screening. I was like, this is what happens when you when the algorithm just goes. Cause like, how could that, how, how could you match a black girl with someone who's like notoriously messy and like notoriously racist? I don't know him at all personally. I'd never heard his name before, but she was like, he's the worst. Oh my God, super messy guy. And I was like, oh, cute. Yeah. I feel like of the kind of services we've seen, I feel like the marriage pact had like the lowest success rate. I do not know a single person that was at more than mediocre, kind of more than like, okay, with their match. No one that was like, oh my God, I'm so excited. Like on the whole, I heard it sucked. Like they didn't, they, like they matched the twin brothers together. Like I just, it was, yeah. Oh yeah, they did, Aisha. I... <laughs> no, they, they matched. Please, what? Because they both did it, like, I think, yeah, they both matched, they matched with each other fully. And they were just like, okay then. All right. <laughs> did anyone else use marriage back to anyone else fill it out? I didn't really think it was open to graduate students, so I didn't. This is Justice Mason a graduate student in the mechanical and aerospace engineering department. Well, like from the outside looking in, it was interesting. Um, but I did kind of expect the same thing, same old, same old that you see with dating apps. Like I've, I don't know, I was like, I don't know, I've been on dating apps since 2013. 
uh, dated myself, but like, you know, it, and the, the, the wheel keeps turning. So I was like, I'm gonna wait and see how y'all feel about this. It was really cute in the Black Princeton group me where everyone's like, you should sign up for this, try this out, see what happens. I was like, babies, I don't know what to tell y'all, <laughs> but they about to throw y'all a curveball. And then just seeing all of the like, I got matched with a racist. I have a match, I have a, like a success rate or a match rate of like 0.5%. I'm like, that's not a match. That That's barely a friend. <laughs> like, that's, that's embarrassing. <laughs> like, like who's, who's, who's green lighting this algorithm? I'm like, interesting. I won't yeah. lie. Yeah, no, I was going to say, no, for real. I was actually fortunate enough to get matched with a Black man, so, like, that was good. This is Dusu Sidibe, class of 2024, bringing us a fresher perspective on the topics at hand. Um, But nothing came out of it. And I actually wasn't expecting anything out of it anyways, but it was just, I, that was one of my worries, biggest worries, just, like, getting matched with someone who was, you know. So, yeah, Black men, yay. <laughs> Sometimes. No, but that that part that part justice i'm glad justice brought up the group chat because i won't lie when the black princeton group me gets going it is the funniest thing i've ever seen in my life <laughs> right i was in like the four of us at dinner were in tears looking at people's like results come in because like every worst case scenario happened like i remember one girl like love her to pieces she got like a 0.017 match i was like girl it's like free me, free my girl. <laughs> and like I people were mad. Hmm? Oh, sorry. No, I was just want to know who thought it was okay to match these people who were getting. Right. That's not a match. That's an enemy. Like, it's not. Honestly. Yeah. No, literally. And I think we want to move on. Aisha has a question on like racial preference, but I'm interested to know like whether it was even a possibility for them to like include that variable because I think that like obviously it's a complex conversation around like for whom those preferences are valid and I think that like white programmers or like whoever is putting this together would be very apprehensive to like include that variable um so yeah but Aisha do you want to move us into that section because I think that could be a really interesting yeah this question I'm gonna kind of uh smush it around a little bit but basically we're wondering like, are racial preferences valid for which social groups? And also like, do you feel like, like have you ever experienced someone like sort of telling you their racial preference and it hasn't like been you or like some sort of like weird situation like that? Cause I really <laughs> want to know the tea, like I really want to hear it. So are racial preferences valid? And like, do you have any experience people telling you about theirs? Um, so I have two answers to this question. So first, I think for me, like me personally, I don't really have a racial preference. I like grew up in a pretty white area. And so I was like, if I'm gonna start narrowing down to race, I'm gonna start narrowing down to three people. So there's no option. Like I was like, that's, that's a non-issue. Like I, I can't afford to have a race preference. <laughs> Cause I'm like, I'm gonna run out of people, point blank. Black in the Midwest, there are four of us. I'm related to three of them. Ah. Wait, where are you from? Where are you from in the Midwest? I'm, I'm from Columbus, but... Ohio. Oh, I'm from Michigan. No way. Okay. Yeah. So you know my pain. Yes, I do. <laughs> I'm like, I'm gonna run out of people. So yeah, but I think race preferences, I'm not gonna say that they're valid, but I'm gonna say if mm, this is what I think. I think that a lot of people that have race preferences don't interrogate the reasons why they have them. And that's why they look stupid as hell. Because I'm like, 
if you have a race preference and you can somehow sleep at night knowing whatever reason it, like you really have thought about, I prefer this, this, and this because of this, this, and this, like you can actually lay it out to yourself and like understand it. Then I'm like, I mean, like, I guess like whatever, free society, live your life. Um, but a lot of the people that have race preferences, I'm like, why? And they're like, I just think they're prettier. I'm like, but why? And it's not just they're pretty, because there's pretty, like pretty girls, pretty boys, and all skin tones. That ugly has no race. <laughs> so, and you're not just posting the pretty girls, you're only posting the light skinned pretty girls. So, like, let's figure that out. Like, it's funny. I posted something on my Instagram a while back, and this boy from my high school who was like, no, like dark skinned guy, but like notoriously only dated light skinned girls or white girls. He had always, like, every time Zendaya would post on Instagram, he'd repost it. And I'd be like, like, she's a baddie. I'll give her the points. You know, I love Zendaya too, but like, anything else. Anything. No duckies, no aduts, no winnies, just Zendaya. Okay. And so I posted them in my story basically being like, a lot of men like Black women that just look like Zendaya. You just colorist. And he was like, he said, like, he slid up and sent a little, like, frowny face. And I was like, fell into the trap. Got you. And so I was like, <laughs> why do you only like, I was like, I didn't like pull up high school. Cause like, I don't like him. He's shorter than me anyway. Like, but I was like, why do you only like girls? Like Zendaya, I was like, Zendaya, I was like, Zendaya is not the standard. Like she's beautiful, but she's not the only beauty standard. And I was like, why just her? And she's like, he's like, I just think she's bad. I'm like, she is. That's a sentence. You're right. But like, that's the only girl you ever post. And I don't think you're attractive, but if someone does and you only post girls that look like Zendaya, they're gonna just remove themselves from the running entirely because they know what you like. Even if you say, I like all girls, you know, I like pretty girls. You only post girls that are like sand and higher, like that's it. <laughs> and so that's like my whole in, like anger around race preference or like kind of color preferences and race preferences. It's like, you say you like anything but you, your actions don't match your words. Because if you say that you like pretty girls of all colors, but only post light-skinned and white girls, you're just a liar. So I don't know, that's my answer, but it makes me mad as hell. And it's always the darkest guys that only post the light-skinned girls. That's what, like, he's darker than me. And I'm like, I'm pretty dark skin. I'm like, why are you darker than me? Only posting light-skinned girls. Your mama ain't that color. Your cousins aren't that color. Why? What's not clicking? What the hell? I don't know. That's my answer. Um, like I just want to echo everything you just said because even in the queer community, it's almost worse because people feel justified in Ooh. saying this shit. Like it's like they feel justified in being like, well, I just like Asian dudes because X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, you sound racist, fetish fetishizing shit. That's not cute. That's not a reason. That's like, that's you. And it's exactly as you said, like, if you don't t interrogate why you feel this way, you probably just can't sleep with it. You can't settle with it. You can't say to yourself, I am just weird. I fetishize this group of people for their bodies, their like, whatever it may be. And I just don't want to say it out loud because I don't want to feel like a racist. And I'm like, say it with your whole ass chest. And that's where I am at this point. Like, say it with your whole ass chest. I don't care say if you don't like chest black people. Or don't say anything at all. Exactly. I don't care if you don't like black people. That don't got shit to do with me. I'm gonna find somebody who will appreciate me. Right. But you can at least say it. Like, just tell me. Like, if you're like, I, I'm just not, I'm like, okay, you're racist as fuck. Deal with it. Accept that label. Let's move on. 
because I certainly will. That's a great point. And I just wanted to circle back to something that you mentioned, Camille, about Zendaya. And I think that we all know those people who will repost literally anything that she posts on her Instagram feed. And I want to interrogate with you guys, like, why the beauty standard at this point in time seems to be, like, the Zendaya, FK Twigs, Zoe Isabel Kravitz. Because um, there's there's just so much colorism and futurism in that. Um, but there's also this strange fascination with like mixed race women in particular. Um, Cause like they have that, they do have that ex- like the attractive part of that like exotic piece. Um, but like they still obviously come to you with like um, all of the features and fundamentals of white beauty. So I don't know, I just wanted to tease that out with you guys and like get your thoughts on um, where that comes from and how insidious it is within the within the imagination and desires of black men and white men. This is something I've been like struggling to think about a lot just because, um, well, yeah, just life and race and everything. But I think I've come to the conclusion that it's because like mixed race women in theory have the features of like both white women and black women that create like the perfect combination like the ideal body type is like the big butt like slim waist kind of thing where is like prominent on black women but then they have the lighter features the straighter nose all that um i feel like this is also inherently tied to like especially like kind of with mixed women the masculinization of black women um because like i know it's something i've had to deal with a lot like i'm you know i'm six feet tall I'm skinny-ish <laughs> um, and like I've always been like I had such a distinct memory like I teach in my free time and I've really had kids be like you're tall like a man I'm like okay first of all ow um, no seven-year-olds just word mouth but it's kind of like I it's something I really more and more worry about in the dating world because it's like I want to feel feminine I want to feel cute and pretty and like frilly and all that thing and I'm like a lot of the black men and like men in general don't want to date a girl that is going to be height-ish, height adjacent, let alone someone who's outspoken, confident, bold, annoying, cocky, all the things that I am. So it's something, but I think that when you like kind of these examples of like, like Zendaya and is like Zoe Kravitz, like they're all outspoken, but kind of in a way that's like permissible. Like they've kind of like, they've assimilated to whiteness enough that they're allowed to be outspoken. They're allowed to be confident. They're allowed to be cocky. Cause they're like, we're giving you what you want over here. So you're going to kind of, it's like, I'm like a give and take. Um, I don't know. That's something that's kind of just more and more struck me, especially like as much as like, I do literally live, breathe, die Megan Thee Stallion. Um, and she has kind of, kind of her struggles with being masculinized by the media I have very much, not internalized, but kind of like watched happen to her. Cause she is like, in my opinion, literally like perfect. Like Megan is literally flawless. And so seeing the media eat her alive for like being five foot 10 and curvy, I'm like, oh, that's what you're gonna do to her. What y'all gonna do to me? I agree with you. I, I kind of like throughout my years of like dealing with this and trying to figure out even in the queer community, like it's like, it's what I call the spice of life. They want the spice of blackness. They don't necessarily want the black people. They want the people who kind of can portray that idea of blackness or whatever they feel like that is. And typically that's just sexualization. 
Like they just kind of want someone that they can have that sexualized feeling from. Like when it comes from like, for as I've noticed for black women, it's typically like, it's always something negative. Like you don't hear those things until they're trying to demean you. And like, is either they're either trying to demean you or they're trying to weirdly sexualize you. And it's just like, you don't see that on these like lighter skin mixed race people just because they, I think they're, they're like coded as white until they start to act up and then people start to like, oh, this must be where that comes from. This is that side of you. Like, no, honey, it's all there. I don't know why you feel like that's the case. Um, and I do agree with you in that like, I, it's so, it's strange because like taking notice of it and being like, that's weird to me. Cause I agree with you, Megan's literally perfect. I don't understand how people like will go out anywhere between like questioning her gender identity to like her, ma like masculinizing her. And I'm just like, this is all just massage noir and y'all are just fucking stupid. Y'all won't let this lady live her life. Um, and as far as like queerness goes, I see it like, I see this a lot when people are just kind of like, they like want the like racially ambiguous light-skinned man who like looked like he's literally gonna come down off out of heaven on like a cloud with like perfect muscle muscles and like, uh, can I just speak candidly, like, you know, inappropriately if I have to, um, a dick shaped like a tree trunk, you know, like they, they want all this sort of like, they want what they view is the masculinized and overly sexualized elements of blackness, but they don't want any, they don't want you. <laughs> they don't want you as a black person. I've, I've felt and had that pushed onto me by a lot of queer people of like, I don't want you. I like the fact that you talk with a white person, you have like similar interests to me as like a white person or a non-black person. I like that you like all these things, but when you start to talk like this and you like, you know, that slang, that draw comes out because your parents are from the South. I don't quite like that. That's kind of weird to me. Don't talk like that in front of my parents. Or like, I don't know if my, how my parents will feel like, feel about that. Do you have anything to add to Sue before we move on? From yeah. No, I just really echo all of that. Like, yeah. literally just everything, especially what Katina said, because yeah, we just really being black women. But I really wanted to get us talking about the it's not actually the inverse of like this colorism and this like racism and dating um but it's the superficial inverse of that which is this new like tiktok trend and like online trend of like melanin goddess like these white men who will pull up on these videos and um i mean commit fetishization but like in their eyes um seem to be doing something radical and accepting uh black beauty so first of all like i I'm so disgusted every time I see one of those. <laughs> I don't know about the rest of you, but let's break yeah. it down. I think, again, insulting that they think that Black women are incapable of differentiating between admiration and fetishization, but it's also just freaking creepy. Like the, like the language that's used to talk about Black women, and this also extends, like as an mixed race person, this extends a lot into the way people talk about biracial people, but like these food metaphors, these drink metaphors need to stop. We need to get rid of them completely. If the hot chocolate, like the the Oreo, like the like the the chocolate swirl. I have said it from the beginning. If you're describing me with a word I can find on a Starbucks menu, I'm going to block your number. Literally. Do they think we like it though? That's my question. Like, do they think we're like going to be like, oh my god, yes, you just call me a chocolate swirl? Like, it's because they want to consume you too. No. Like, like no. literally, it's just like, they just want to consume you as well. I mean, like, it, we'd be lying if we didn't say that Black culture makes that shit go around. I mean, like, TikTok, half of it's that. Like, and half the people creating shit are Black women. 
So of course they're gonna be like, let me for the clout just be like my Nubian goddess, my chocolate dog. Like man, shut up. Five stop. Like, like man, shut up. You don't like you couldn't you wouldn't know what to do. Like not in any like like bad sense, but like in the sense of like you wouldn't even know how to interact with a black woman who cared about herself. Like the people you're trying to like pine after. Would you know what to do? Would you even know how to? You wouldn't say hello and get past the first sentence. She'd laugh at you, and I'd laugh with her. It'd be so funny. Like I imagine my sister. Whenever these people do this, I'm like, she crack the fuck up. Like, oh, that was cute. (laughs) It's the cloak chasing for me. No, it's the cloak chasing. That's what I was gonna say. Like, wait, I just want to talk about it. But like, the thing about TikTok is TikTok clout is so weird, and that you'll be famous for like two to three business minutes. Like. It's so fast. And so people will jump on whatever they want to do. And so the worst part about the fetishization videos, like the white men that are like, oh my God. And the weird thing is they always look like, this might be specific, but like, you know, that picture of vision that went viral, Vishon, you know him, all the white men look like that. That's what they all look like. And every, I'm always like, okay. Don't do Vishon like that. Because Vishon looks good. Vishon does look good. Vishon alone. But all the white men look like that. And then on top of that, the worst part is when I open the comment section and all the black girls are like, yes. I'm like, queen, free yourself. Free yourself. Besties, free yourself. Cut the No, because it's always like, they're always like, oh my God, love me. Like, love my gingers, love my blondes. I'm like, huh? <laughs> like every time. And I'm like, that's the worst part. Cause I'm like, they're reaffirming is going because I'm like you're, a lot of y'all doing this because you don't know better. But if some impressionable black girl, especially like kids, because TikTok is not a kids app anymore, but legally it still is. I'm like if some 13 year old black girl, if me in eighth grade were to look at these videos and see all the comments of the black girls hyping him up for doing not even the bare minimum, it's lower than the bare minimum. I don't know how I would feel because like eighth grade, you know, a lot of black girls aren't getting, especially little black girls not getting the love they deserve. So if you kind of see the space that something like masquerading as the love and attention and care you deserve, you fall in the honey trap. And like, that's the part that breaks my heart is you have little like kind of teenage and like young girls, young black girls that are hope, you know, growing up in a very shite time to grow up as a black girl. And that's the part that makes me so upset about all of it. I'm like, y'all growing up and you don't know what a proper relationship, like you don't, this is not a dynamic. This is not, this is not good, not healthy. Because he's going to fetishize you for two to three business weeks and then move on. Period. You're right. And then I know we kind of like passed this point, but I did want to say something about Meghan Markle. Just because, like, first of all, the fact that she was even able to marry into the royal family is like mixed girl privilege. Okay. If there was like a dark skin, like a monoracial black woman, a very obviously black woman that was dating Prince Harry and he brought her to Queen. She would have been like, you're playing jokes with me. Like you're playing games. Cause I, I know you know that we're not gonna allow you to marry this woman. Like, I just feel like, come on now. Like, it's very, it's very simple. It's very obvious, I think. And then I just, I, I just feel like um, Megan also knows this herself. I feel like in some ways, because like one, Megan is like white passing. Like she's pretty white passing. Like I think some people didn't even know she was like half black at some point. And then she like straightens her hair. Like Megan, I'm pretty sure Megan's hair, when she puts water on it, it doesn't look the way it looks when she has it out, right? So I was like, she straightens her hair because she understands like in some ways the privilege that she's afforded as a mixed woman. And I feel like I don't necessarily like 
blame her for that because like sort of like you just need to kind of like use what you have to like get as far as you can in life but I just feel like we need to understand like Megan has privilege as a mixed woman and like that's the only reason she was even able to marry into the royal family like I'm really I think it's unfortunate that she had to suffer all that like the fact that she was able to do that is privileged in and of itself and then I have a question for you guys actually can we stop on that for a second yeah (laughs) as (laughs) as the mixed race person at the table I think there's a really strong point that has to be made about the way that not acknowledging mixed race identity does harm. And I think there've been two huge missed opportunities with Obama and then with Kamala Harris again, where there's not enough nuance about the complexity of their racial identities because, and like when you miss that complexity, you then, I think, I, I think you then end up not understanding the ways in which that path to the highest political office is still not accessible to the average black person. So like these examples of like mixed race success and like Meghan Markle becoming part of the royal family, like they, when we don't acknowledge the ways in which the privilege of their mixed heritage helps them, we, we set up this path to success that doesn't actually exist and isn't actually operative for most people. So yeah, I think like you don't have to blame her necessarily, but I think it is important to call out um, like the, my fellow mixed race people within the black community to always acknowledge the ways in which their experiences are different. Like not, <clears throat> the correct path is not for them to like shy away from that identity and like cling to whiteness and like reject blackness, but it is to like identify the ways in which their experiences are different and the ways in which they do have massive privileges. Um, yeah, so don't, don't let them off too easy. Yeah, this is something that I've like talked about a lot with one of my mixed race friends because um, when you have when you don't acknowledge the complexity of like their identity, you have people like Zendaya, Yarashi Kuri, um, and just all of them like representing all the black community. And so then, like I guess this is more of a Hollywood example, but yeah, like they're the ones who are getting the roles to play. Um, like movies where the characters could be darker skinned women and everything so yeah like just not acknowledging the privilege that comes with lighter skin and just as you said with Meghan Markle and even Obama even though like he is a like a darker presenting person it's just there was no way that they were going to accept him the way they did yeah definitely definitely I think even like some movies like okay the hate you give like she looks nothing like the rest of her family, first of all. Anyways, um, and then in that movie Yara Shahidi was in, Sun is also a star. She's supposed to be a dark-skinned Jamaican girl. Yara Shahidi is none of those things. So it's not adding up. But um, the question I have for you guys is, um, are Republican men an automatic no and why? Yes, next question. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Throw in the trash. Uh, yeah. like there's so point, much that you have to go through. To at, go at this ahead. point, even moderate, I'm like, yeah. If you're not liberal, <laughs> next caller. Yeah, 100. percent Especially like Justice kind of out, like growing up in the Midwest, like from a state that went red <laughs> in the past two elections. I've been fighting in the trenches with Republican boys since eighth grade history class. No, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I am. The last thing I want is to have those eighth grade history class debates over dinner. No. 
that part yeah especially that part yes exactly and then for like the whole idea of like oh i'm only republican because i like support this this that like i don't support like all these different things but it's like the fact that you can even say that you support this because of that and you're turning a blind eye to the other injustices yeah. that are going on mm-hmm. we can't that's what camille's like literally next question but i just can like i think add some complexity here i'm just as skeptical if not even more sometimes of white liberals. Oh, um, I'm gonna yes. be very honest. Like the example <laughs> yes. that the example that always comes to mind is what happened with Amy Cooper in Central Park. Like there are so many like East Coast elite type liberals I know who will like be the first person to like, I don't know, spend $40 on kombucha for like some fundraiser like <laughs> around like a racial issue. Um, but then the moment when they have the capacity to weaponize their whiteness to protect themselves from some implicit bias threat that they perceive in a black person around them. They will be the first person to call the police. They'll be the first person to endanger a black body. And it's, I think it's even, it's more, the reason why it's scarier to me is because it's covert and because like, (laughs) I'm not able to then identify you as somebody who is unsafe and somebody who um, is part of the problem. You're, you're, accepted within the same circles as us and we have conversations and we pretend that there's this kumbaya of like mutual understanding um but yeah i'm, I'm incredibly yeah. incredibly skeptical yeah i i yeah. completely agree with that point like i again i, I know i keep throwing the gays on the bus so i'm gonna keep doing it um yeah the the white liberal like a lot of white gays are sometimes secretly republican sometimes secretly liberal it just depends like you'll figure it out um and I said this before, but I'm just, I'm, I have never dated a white person. I don't plan on it. Um, the reason why is like these, like I've had my time of like pursuing white folks and it always comes up to this thing of like, oh, I don't talk about the news with my family. I'm like, the fuck if you don't. Like, that that's one not kills me. That like, one absolutely kills me. It's the, it's the way that they walk through the world that I don't think I'll ever understand. And I think that like, it, it, it's a fallacy that if you have like some sort of marginalization that you're automatically gonna be able to con- relate to all of the people with any sort of marginalization because there's such different magnitude but like white straight men who like I assume like some of you like the black women here like might be interested in like I just I don't understand I've never personally on like a friendship level much less a romantic level been like able to connect with that experience of walking through the world where like you just don't you don't comprehend injustice because you've never had to face it. Yeah. Like there's like an automatic ownership that I think is so, takes so much time to build in like coming from our different perspectives. Um, But like one thing I did want to note on that and like Justice, you brought this up so many times is like the way that homosexuality um, or being a woman in the case of white women, like those identities don't automatically absolve you um, and don't automatically give you insight into a racialized experience. Um, I guess it's very different, especially especially in 2021. Um, I think like the white gay experience is not comparable in any way to what black people still go through in this country. I mean, in America, like <laughs> as a community, we're literally asking not to be shot arbitrarily on the sh- on the streets. Like we're not we're not at the point yet of talking about reparations, about talking about actually creating a path to economic success and equality. Like we're literally talking about 
let's let's at least try to create a society where I'm not going, I don't have a large chance of just being shot randomly. And I'm just gonna to try to wrap us up here because this has been a very fulsome conversation. Um, yeah, but I literally have had so much fun talking with you guys. I could do this all day <laughs> if we had the time. Um, but thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you, thank you so much. Today's podcast was edited by yours truly, Omar Farah, and it was produced under the 145th Managing Board of the Daily Princetonian. It was also edited by Isabel Rodriguez, head podcast editor, and I want to give a special thanks here at the end to our incredible guests who broke down a really complicated issue and were very vulnerable with their personal experiences. That is what the new Orange Table is all about. So thank you to Camille, Dusu, Justice, and my incredible, incredible co-host, who I could not do this without, Aisha Balagan. You are all incredible. Thank you for tuning in to the sixth episode of The Orange Table. You guys are fantastic. Have an amazing day.